this episode of Joy's World, the podcast. And I have a very special guest with me today. I met her on Women's Hour. We did that together a few months ago. And we recently did BBC Ouch together. She is sex positive. She has a podcast called Pleasure Rebels. And she works for a sex toy company. So you know we had to chat. Please welcome to my world, Miss Kelly Gordon. Hello, hello. How's it going? <laughs> All good. Now, Kelly, my first question is always the same to everyone that I interview, um, and that is because I do care. And that is, how are you feeling today? Oh gosh, well, I'm feeling much better, you know. Like we've been speaking for my podcast first, and I feel in a much better mood. Before that, I was feeling frustrated because the admin life is real at the moment. Literally, like my list is so long and it's stressing me out. I had a week's annual leave last week, and you know, I'm suffering for it this week because there's so much I could have been doing that I haven't done. Um, so but no, after speaking to you and, and now we're doing your show, I'm feeling feeling much better thank you for asking no that's fine no it's good I feel like and I, I mentioned this on on your podcast so I might as well share it with my listeners I went and got um my belly my blur I can't speak I went <laughs> and got my belly button pierced um just before we uh started recording um and I don't even know it was I, it was absolutely on a whim but it's made me feel really good I mean it's got a plaster on it at the moment so I need to like take that off and actually see what it looks like but I'm just like do you know what just live your best life why not why not I'm just really hoping Kelly it doesn't get infected I'm really scared yeah no I think you'll be fine like I think as kids like we were probably less on it when it comes to taking care of piercings and tattoos and stuff but I think now as an adult I think you'll 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 be all right I think you'll figure it out (laughs) and I bet it looks awesome as well I can't wait to see it I know do you know what I was thinking like I, I'm summer's gonna come up I can be wearing crop tops you know now now I wear crop tops I never used to but now that I wear crop tops I'm like yeah why not why not that's gonna look amazing I'm so I really, jealous I really want to get my nipple pierced but I'm really scared I'm I'm too scared yeah see I've had I've actually had mine done twice so I had it done when I was younger like when I was at college um and that that was like okay like it didn't hurt. I think I was a bit more brave when I was that age. But then, as I said before, on, on my show, Emily Yates and I went and got our nipples pierced together on like a mad girls day. We were just having drinks. We were getting our nails done. We went to get our nipples pierced. It was like one of the best like friend days. It was so fun. Um, but I was so scared. I made her go first. I was like, Emily, no, I don't want to do it. I've changed my mind. Um, but no, it. the thing is with, with nipple piercings that I've always found is that um, the bars just constantly move. So it's really hard for them to heal. Um, But I think that what I've heard now is if you get a ring, then they're a lot easier to clean. They're a lot easier to maintain. Mm, okay well I feel like I need to come out with you and Emily on one of these girls days if it's about yes. getting, getting drunk and getting piercings I'm, I'm there 100%. yes yes I'm so overdue a day like that literally I can't I think because of Covid and because like of having young kids the the social aspect is just dropped off at the minute like we went out for dinner actually on Friday because it was my birthday we went out with like all my family one of my PAs her partner so there was like 12 of us and that was really fun like we had the back room at this restaurant and we just all drank and ate food and chatted and that was amazing but I think like me and my mum had this conversation the other day and we just like 
you know, since COVID, you just feel like everything's too much effort to do. Mm-hmm. And we should be feeling the opposite. We should be like, oh, well, you know, we weren't allowed to go outside last year or the year before. So let's make the most of it. But we're just like forcing ourselves to do things because we know we should do them. But I think because you get so used to like this new life, which is working from home, like spending a lot of time in her, in your house. I think like it feels really weird when you let back out into the into the world. <laughs> no, definitely. It has been it has been weird, but I've definitely unlike you, I've been trying my best to make it uh, to make the effort to go out. And also, though, I think when you have um, a disability, we're going to go into that in a minute. But when you have a disability and we know that we have to think about access things, it's, mm. it's even harder. Like sometimes I'm like, I want to go here, but I have to think about X, Y and Z. And it worries me so much. I talk a lot on my podcast about my travel anxiety and things like that. But mm. I'm trying to like do this thing where I do things that scare me, even yeah. just like going out by myself, like going to events or going to places by myself. I never would have like used to do that. Mm. Um and yes, it was it was an access thing, but it was also just because I was just worried about what well, if this goes wrong, what if that goes wrong. Whereas mm. now I'm trying to just put myself out there and think to myself, what's the worst that can happen? You've got this, you can do this. Um, but it is really, really difficult. Yeah, I so agree with you. Like recently, both of my main, like my core PAs have uh, left um, because one of them has got uh, basically a mental health um issue at the moment where they need to take some time for themselves which is completely understandable and the other one is leaving to do a nursing degree so it's just really bad timing that they've both left at the same time um so then my other PAs are coming from further afield so I'm having to find like little bits of cover here and there with family and friends and like really trying to sort that out but it's be obviously I've had someone with me like 24 7 for I want to say four years maybe maybe just under four years is now and Mm. so going back to doing things on my own even if it's just like I'm driving somewhere and I need to get like some milk and bread from the shop like me getting out the car by myself like it's it freaks me out like because I've got no one there but I used to be like I'd drive to work I'd go in and get myself a sandwich I think okay I'd, I'd avoid certain stores because I'd be like well their aisles are really tight for my chair and like I can't get up to this shelf that I know I need and things like that but now it's just like oh shit like what if this happens or what if that happens and I don't know where it's come from so I'm going to start doing what you're doing and, and forcing myself to just get back into the zone with it all yeah because you know what it's funny you say that because I recently got PAs um yeah I think just late last year I I got I got a, a PA and then I got another one and one of them has had to leave now but I've still got one and she's amazing um but yeah it's it is you so because obviously we know like that PAs are there to help us assist us right mm. but you do sometimes as you say you can kind of lose that sense of like oh I can just do x y and z and I think now that one of mine has left and I'm I'm, I'm left with one um, I feel like it's in a way it's kind of given me that push to be like oh okay well you was mm. doing x y and z before by yourself and you can still do it does that make sense like it's really definitely. hard definitely definitely really and I think like now as well, I've seen how much, th- how much easier things are with PAs. 
So you mm-hmm. think, oh, for me to do this by myself is a, a massive rigmarole. Whereas before it used to be part of your day-to-day life. Like you'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to the shop. I'm going to drive to work. I'm going to get out my car, go in the shop, get someone to bring the bags out, get back in my car and drive to work. But then when you've got a PA, it's just like, okay, I really want um, a chicken salad sandwich for my lunch. Can you just go in here? I'll wait in the car for you and then we can carry on. Do you know what I mean? It's like adding all that time back into your schedule that, you, that you've took out but before you had that in your life before you had the PAs you didn't even see it as an issue it was just the way you did things do you yeah. know what I mean you just you just get on with it don't you um, yeah but yeah it's it's so it's so there's so much to it um, but just going back to it Kelly obviously you mentioned that you're a wheelchair user tell my listeners how long have you been a wheelchair user and what's your condition if you would like to share that with us let us know yeah yeah so I am a full-time electric wheelchair user I've got spinal muscular atrophy type 3 um, which is basically it's a, a progressive genetic condition so both of my parents are non-disabled um, my elder my elder brother no I'm the oldest my younger brother is non-disabled um myself and my middle brother are both uh wheelchair users so basically it's all to do with genetics and that like I said my parents are both non-disabled they had no clue that they would have disabled children there was nothing to say that they would you know there's no history of disability in my family or anything um so my mum and dad obviously had a baby not expecting anything and because they, they both passed on a faulty gene it's called um the smn2 gene um basically i was i was disabled but it depends on the pattern of which genes are passed on so if you get both faulty then essentially you end up having sma if you get one you're a carrier and if you get none you're not affected so it is just a, a genetic gamble really so like i said my youngest brother he's not disabled um we're not sure if he actually carries uh, the gene but we know that obviously he's non-disabled um so it's just throughout my life um i i think the progression came at a bad time i was very outgoing very like confident and i'd walk everywhere despite getting tired around primary school i'd walk everywhere like to the canteen to assembly um, but as the years like progressed i kind of got slower um and then I'd fall over sometimes while I was waiting in line because it's almost, it almost feels like your legs just run out of battery. Like your body decides this is it now you've walked too much and it just goes off and you fall down. Um, when I was younger, I could get up if I fell down. Um, but then towards the end of primary school, I really struggled to get off the floor. So if I fell over, then the teachers would have to help me back up. And it was a bit of a process. Um, and then being myself and being the person I was, I wanted to go with that into secondary school and not use a wheelchair as well um but it was just impossible you know I had I think year seven and eight I trialed walking quite a bit I trialed using my wheelchair just on the playground and I remember numerous times my mom had to be called in because I'd fallen and and they weren't allowed to help me up um and really I was doing myself a disservice because that's that's almost more embarrassing than just like using a wheelchair and accepting your disability it, it like you're on the floor you can't get up you can't get on with your day but as a kid I just don't think you see that I think when you're a kid you just want to hold on to that ability that you have um but that's the thing with progressive conditions isn't it you you know you can you try and carry on as best as you can but you don't really 
you know, I've always been the sort of person that's that's not wanted to go to like the next stage. Um, like when I was in my wheelchair, like people recommended getting tilters and risers so that I could reach up to certain things and obviously tilt my chair if I was in pain. Um, but I really avoided it because I just in my head, I used to think that makes me look more disabled, not like, oh, that will help me. That will make my quality of life better. It was no, that makes me look like I'm I'm really disabled. But I mean, I'm in a wheelchair. It's quite obvious I'm disabled. <laughs> um, but, you know, in your head, you rationalise things in a weird way. And now, obviously, being older, being exceptional in my disability, I completely know that anything that's going to make my life a bit easier is, is worth it. But, yeah, young Kelly didn't really understand that. <laughs> no, and I totally get that because I, I was I was the same when I was a teenager and losing my sight. I really I did not want to use a cane. I did not want to accept it. I wanted to hide it as much as I mm. possibly could. I would rather walk into a lamppost than use my cane and avoid it. Um, mm. So it's, it's and I think it is definitely something to do with age and kind of also the representation that we don't you know we don't necessarily see. So we kind of think it's a, a negative thing and. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it. Um, but you mentioned that you're an electric wheelchair user. Yeah. Talk to me a bit. So you were saying when you were younger, you were falling over and you found it hard to get back up. Does your condition, does it mainly affect your legs or does it also affect your, your arms too? Because um, I know that, you know, I have a friend, um, she's also a wheelchair user, but she, um, I can't remember what her condition's called now off the top of my head, but I know that she like has issues with her hands sometimes and she really struggles mm -hmm. to like pick things up and things like that and it's funny because sometimes people think like if you're a wheelchair user then it's like just your legs that's affected and there couldn't be yeah. possibly be anything else wrong <laughs> but I think it's important to kind of speak about like how what because my condition um it it started off affecting only my eyes it was inflammation in the back of my eyes but mm -hmm. as I got older it progressed on to arthritis so I have um, rheumatoid arthritis in my knee so sometimes it swells up and I have to get it like drained and stuff like that so yeah talk to me a little bit about that yeah definitely so basically yeah um SMA does affect the whole body so um I've got type 3 which is the mildest type um and then there's type 2 and type 1 type 1 is very severe and um in the past you know babies born with type 1 wouldn't survive um but now there's two treatments for my condition that that have been showing obviously progress in in younger babies and stopping the progression of the, of the condition um but so for me in terms of my my progression and where i'm at is yeah my legs are completely um affected by the sma um but that was mainly brought on by having my two children um because the big changes in the body really make the progression ramp up um so basically after having my second child i could only just stand to like turn into my bed from my chair um with help from my partner before i had hunter and i would just had mason i could still walk a few steps from my chair to the bed or my chair to the toilet before I even got pregnant with Mason, I could walk from my bedroom to the bathroom. Um, and when I say walk, I mean like in my own way, it wasn't like a supermodel catwalk. It was it was my own way of walking. Um, but obviously that's a lot of progression to happen in four years. And that wouldn't <laughs> have happened without me having kids because there wouldn't have been any changes to, to really start that progression off, you know? Um, so, 
yeah so that that was kind of big for me and then after I had Hunter I actually broke my ankle as well so now I'm, I'm not able to stand at all because I had 12 weeks off my feet in plaster so essentially the muscles just wasted um so I'm not able to support my own weight now I can stand with the help of my partner but like if he let go I'd I'd fall to the floor basically um and then in terms of my hands I've noticed a lot more weakness in my hands and arms recently um you know things like opening bottles opening jars like I do everything with my teeth I know I shouldn't my nan always tells me my nan's like Kelly you're gonna break your teeth um but I'm like well if I need to open the kids drink that's how I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I need to do it um so yeah I mean I've noticed like since I had went to a little bit more progression um but hopefully I'm starting treatment soon so that should stop that progression okay okay no that's interesting and I was just going to ask you because um going off what you just said about how it it kind of uh, it progressed after you had your second child mm. uh, and you don't have to answer this if you don't if you don't want to but has that made you would I mean I don't know what your situation is now but like are you thinking about having more children would you consider that uh considering like what the effects it has on your body no so I I um basically I shared this on a podcast I did recently and I, ha I haven't even said this on my own show yet but I did a podcast called Brave Bird recently um which is all about being brave and talking about things that scare you and things like that and I'd recently gone through um a termination of pregnancy um very recently I'm talking January this year um and I hadn't spoken about it I was basically medically advised not to carry on with the pregnancy it was a shock like myself and my partner I think we love the idea of having another baby but we know the practicalities we know that you know it's going to put my body under a lot of stress we know that we've already got our hands full with two kids um but uh it just wasn't it, I couldn't do it and Josh was very very concerned about my health my progression um whether I'd make it to be honest like I've had two c-sections obviously the risk becomes greater with every c-section for anyone able-bodied or not um mm -hmm. so we had to make the really really horrible decision to have a termination and I didn't want to like I still don't want to like I wish we could have gone through with that and obviously seeing friends pregnant and and um you know people having babies it's it's heartbreaking because you know we're in love we're a family if I was non-disabled we would have happily had that child but unfortunately because of my disability I had to make the really horrible choice to to go through that and you know a testament to Josh as well because when we went through that he was the one there caring for me and without being too graphic and traumatic maybe maybe put a trigger warning on the episode just in case but he was the one removing everything and you know making sure I wasn't bleeding too much and he took like a massive role in that 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 nobody should ever have to do um and obviously because I I was disabled I am disabled um I wasn't able to do that for myself so he had to take that really step up and take that massive role and mm -hmm it's something that people don't think about like obviously to be able to receive the service that we do in this country and and now with covid to still be able to like now everything's done at home it's just tablets at home whereas before it would be more of a clinical setting and you had to go back for more advice and things mm. you know i think it's it's really it's something that's not talked about enough i always hear people saying it in like you know i've, I've heard people say about termination as like 
almost a, a form of contraception. And I think if people knew the facts about termination and the way it can mentally and physically affect you, then, you know, they, they'll take it a lot more seriously. Yeah, wow. yes. Mm. Oh, would you finish sorry yeah no of course yeah so it's just a big big change big time for us at the moment so yeah. well first of all I'm really sorry like that you had to go through that and I mean I and I it's, it's true what you say that some people do use terminations as just a form of contraception and it's, mm. it's really not um, and I think as you're right people don't understand or or maybe take take into consideration the effects that it can have on your mental and your physical um it's it's, it's very it's very difficult and, and actually one of the questions that I used to get a lot when I was pregnant with Janelle um which kind of annoyed me offended me I guess mm. um, I wonder if you had the same was everyone was just asking me oh is your daughter gonna be blind then is she is she yeah. is it, is it is it hereditary then? And oh, is the dad blind? Is he, is he blind as well then? Because, you know, all blind people, Kelly, we just have one big fat orgy, of course. <laughs> that's, that's I know, yeah. Do you know what? It's so funny that you say that because, so I had a friend in school and she was like my best friend. You know, we'd take her on holidays with her. She'd come to our house every weekend, but the offer was never like reciprocated from her parents. Like her parents were very like, white middle class like don't really understand anyone outside their own bubble um you know not any information on disability like not even the want of trying though do you know what I mean there's some people that aren't exposed to disability and there's some people that just don't want to get involved and they don't want to know because they're happy in their own bubble these were the, those kind of people I think in the whole friendship I probably went to their house once or twice um so basically she worked the mom of of my friend like we're not we're not friends anymore obviously life life moves on and what have you but the the mom of my friend saw my mom in a bank um where she worked with with Mason, my son, my eldest son, and he was mm. in a push chair at the time. He was he was probably about one, and and she was like, "Oh, who's this then?" And my mom was like, "My grandson. It, it's it's Kelly's son. This is Mason." And she was like, "Oh, is he normal then?" Wow. And my mom was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like as if it's okay to say that. And my mom just my mom doesn't like confrontation and stuff so she was just like yeah he's lovely and then she just walked off but people actually ask things like that it's mad they they really do they ask us questions like that and it's just I, just, I honestly can't, I can't I mean I'm not like your mum I, I, I like confrontation sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes me too only sometimes yeah me too sometimes it's just hard I think like people need to just like stop asking stupid questions first of all like I, th I think it's like and I think like not not relating to what that person said but I'm saying like I think like as a disabled person like I'm okay with people asking me questions yeah. but I think sometimes you gotta like really think about why you're asking and what's like what is the what is the reason like <laughs> what is the reason like do you know what I mean some people are just nosy it's like it's different if you're asking to actually be educated if you're just trying to be like an aide to cunt yeah um, yeah 
basically. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 just it's yeah, it's very no, sad. Her, her reason is just gossip, gossip mongering, I think. Um, but yeah, like you say, some people might be genuinely thinking about Mason's future and thinking, oh, like, you know, is is he affected with Kelly's mm. condition and like from a caring place? But it mm. definitely, yeah, it's definitely not that. But also, it's not their place to be worrying about about no, him. You, of you course. and Josh, like that, that's your child. That's your. Do you know what I mean? Like it's your child, your decision. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, unless it's like definitely. But even if it was a family member, I would say to myself, "Well, you don't need to worry about my. Like, surely you and Josh are grown ups, right? You decided to have babies. You've mm-hmm. obviously." about this like it's not other people's like business does that make sense like yeah no 100 100 um yeah like I don't think what I don't know what these people think they're gonna do with that information like you say but yeah it's the thing is <laughs> even if 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 one of my sons did have my condition like surely I'm the best equipped person to deal with it because I've been through that and oh my god the fact yeah. that you just said always say that about like when people are used to ask me like is Janelle going to be uh visually impaired as well and I always said like I don't I, well like I, I don't know to be fair and also what people need to understand non-disabled people what they need to understand is that you can become disabled at any point you put I mean the likelihood is that you will especially you know as you get older etc cetera, etc cetera. but um if my, if I had a child and they were visually impaired I don't give two shits and as yeah. you said who better to raise them than me I've been through it I know what it's like and I feel like it would be it would be fine like I, I just yeah. I don't get it like as if that's like a do you know what I mean like a barrier when we're we're here living our lives um mm-hmm. we raise our children to, to do the same the same you know definitely agree with you 100 percent Kelly so you work for um a sex toy company yeah Octopus. talk to me a little bit about hot octopus because i didn't know much about them but I, I you told me in your podcast you're going to send me a toy Woo-hoo! yes so i am i um, am talk to me a little bit about hot octopus and your role there and then we'll, we'll talk about pleasure rebels yeah perfect so my role at hot octopus i've just been made like as of february the first i was made create head of creative over at the brand um so basically my role now is to look at everything front facing for the brand whether it's um you know campaigns that we're doing influencers that we're working with photos that we use on our packaging um, like anything and everything brand brand related social media it's all down to me so um I absolutely love it I'm a creative person um it's quite funny because now with the advancement of like computers and stuff I'm able to like make creative assets for the company I'm not a graphic designer I am not like trained in any way but I just love like making things and seeing things come together and the brand just really love my sort of vision and the way that I go about making things so I'm actually making like graphic files and I'm like how did I end up doing this this is so random um but I really really love it um and yeah my priorities at the brand I think are uh, inclusivity obviously making sure that we're including everyone we want to bring pleasure to everyone and we want people to start conversations and you know talk about their needs and facilitate them in every way that we can um obviously bringing on new big partners and looking at partnerships um so it's a role that kind of grows every day but I'm loving every minute of it at the moment 
Yeah. And how did you actually like get into the sex toy industry? Because again, we spoke about this on your podcast and we spoke about it on the on the Ouch um, podcast as well. But a lot of the time the public don't see disabled people as sexual beings. So then they definitely don't think that we're interested. We couldn't possibly be interested in buying sex toys, Kelly. So how did you get into it? Yeah, so basically I was like going through a bit of an internal battle um, and I actually just started to write down some of my sexual experiences and um, Heart Octopus were always looking for people to review their products. They still are now, like especially disabled people to look at the functionality and things like that. Um, So I got sent one of their oldest products, which is the Queen Bee. We don't actually make it anymore. Um, And I looked at that product. I wrote about that product. I wrote about my uh, sexual experience as a disabled person just my whole journey like I've been a sexually active disabled teen meeting people online like I just like kind of shared all um but then like I had this battle of like I was in a really professional industry I used to work in the football industry um and it was like this battle of well you can't be that because you're this and you can't talk about sex because you're a corporate and you can't do you know what I mean I was constantly every day like battling with these image things and I was working closely with some disability charities that were kind of like well you need to find your niche but like you don't know what your niche is and if you start doing things like sex it might jeopardize you know I was with an agent as well that she was like if you start talking about sex you're going to jeopardize your tv career or your media career or whatever so I was constantly like shit I'm never gonna like what what do I do here I don't understand so do you know what in the end I just started getting like a ton of requests for pieces to be written for me to try products me to talk about my relationship history me to give advice to other uh, disabled daters and I thought you know there's something in this I love this industry um and I started talking to Jules at Heart Octopus about working in the inclusivity space and like how we could be more inclusive as a brand and so they brought me on as like head of inclusivity um but because I'm kind of like a bit of an entrepreneur and like business owner I just wanted to get into every aspect of the business to the point where I was kind of annoying so I think she was just like yeah we need to give Kelly this job or she'll like she'll never leave us alone (laughs) so yeah it kind of was a real natural progression um but like I say I'm just fascinated by you know everything from finance to branding to like whatever whatever part of the company is I love I love it all it's amazing yeah um and through hot octopus is that where pleasure rebels came from the podcast yes yes so our marketing we used to have a marketing agency um and we were we were chatting just about things we should be doing as a brand and we talked about uh, doing a podcast and they were like oh well kelly you've done some media bits and bobs do you want to host it and I was like yeah sure but I'm not gonna lie I was terrified like I don't know if you were on your first episode but when I was recording it I think you get that like inner saboteur that's like you've never done this before you're not going to be interesting no one's going to listen to the show blah 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 mm-hmm. blah um and you know what I love doing it and I love spending an hour with people and just hearing about their lives and and talking about sex most importantly <laughs> we love we love talking about sex here yes um, and, and you know what, I think for me, when I started, I wasn't so much nervous about speaking. I was more like, 
I think I was more just like procrastinating and I was like oh I, I don't have a microphone I don't have this I don't have that I don't know how to edit I don't know how to do this I kind of was just putting all these barriers in front of me yeah. rather than actually just picking up you know the, the phone and just start in which is it's where I started um so yeah but I totally get that thinking like no one's gonna listen to this blah 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 but one piece of advice that somebody another podcaster gave me actually and I'll never forget it I always remember it and she said to me that consistency is key um and it's very hard you know everyone in their granddad has got a podcast I always say this but consistency is key um so here we are being consistent yeah Kelly talk to me about how your disability affects if if at all affects your sex life yeah I mean I don't think it does anymore as such like I always joke on my podcast that Josh and I despite having like you know every sex toy under the sun and my job and whatever we have the most vanilla sex ever um because <laughs> we just like we've got two kids for god's sake so we end up like either getting a morning quickie in in the spooning position or like you know we had one actually we had one week I was writing for metro at the time um and I was writing a, a set for a section called how I do it I've got the link so I'll send it to you but um it was basically my week in sex, right? And I swear he like had some instinct that I was writing something because we had sex six times that week. And every <laughs> and it wasn't normal sex either. It was like, should we try this? Should we do this? Should we do this? I was like, hang on, you've got an inkling, you know something's going on. We never do it this much. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, in my teen years, definitely I wouldn't ask for what I wanted. I'd be very, very self-conscious about asking for help. So like I was okay. So this is, this is ridiculous. So I was okay with somebody taking my clothes off, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't let anybody help me put my clothes back on because that's too disabled. That's too far. Like it makes no sense when you say it out loud. So I'd like, literally I'd have sex and then I'd be like, yeah, can you just like go to the bathroom or something so I can get dressed and get back in my chair and it's just like, why, why did you do that, Kelly? Like, what, what was wrong? Why did you think that was a good idea? Because it's actually making more of a big deal about it. And it's actually like <laughs> putting a question mark over the whole thing, because they're thinking, oh, I'm in the bathroom. What is she doing? What does she have to do? Like, doesn't she just put her trousers back on? But they're, then they're like, minds going wild, thinking that I'm doing all these mad things. And yeah, I don't know. So I think that, you know, before I was comfortable with my disability, I was very that. I was very, like, secretive and I wouldn't change positions that if they were uncomfortable because I just wanted to please that person um, and not, like, look like I was in pain or anything. Um, but I think, obviously, what I've learned now as somebody that's confident with their disability and talks about sex for a living is just be communicate like be open with your partner whether it's just like a one night stand partner or or a long-term partner just say okay I can do this I can't do that but you don't have to say it in like you can either say it in just like a blase way or you can say it in like a sexy way like I prefer yeah. like you know what you like and yeah. what you want them to do to you it doesn't have to be unsexy um yeah. and it doesn't have to be like a manual about how to have sex with you um but yeah just be honest and like if you're not able to do certain positions or you can do them for a bit but then you want to switch then just say that um and then you'll be more in the moment as well instead of like thinking 
I used to I used to be in some positions where I'd be thinking I'm going to fall over like for example leaning over the bed but like putting like balancing through your legs my legs the more we do it the longer we go for the the more it'd feel like I was gonna my legs were gonna drop and yeah I wouldn't fall on the floor because I was leaning on the bed but then obviously your whole position changes so I'd be there like enjoying it but thinking oh god keep your legs straight stand up stand up and you can't like orgasm when you're thinking about things like yeah. that <laughs> yeah. and this is the thing like we was just saying weren't we on your podcast about communicating and making sure that actually as well we're having sex with people that we feel comfortable enough with to be open and honest with because even though we have disabilities doesn't mean that we don't want casual sex relationships as well but I think even with those casual sex relationships communication is very important do you know what I mean I, yeah. I think I think that's something that sometimes people miss and especially when you're younger like we don't always think about it like I, I mean like you said you know before you used to just want to please the man be a pleaser and I was exactly the same whereas now I'm like fuck that, I <laughs> fuck that. it's about me as well okay this is a two-way thing here um but yeah no communication is definitely important definitely. um obviously Kelly you're in a relationship you've got kids you're happy what advice would you give to a single bitch like me trying to find <laughs> a nice man or woman, do you know what I mean, to, like, lock me down? Oh, it's I so hard. I want someone to cook for, Kelly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's another thing. I'm obsessed with cooking. Like, I'm always cooking. It's my favourite. Even to the point where people are like, you work all day and then you cook. Why do you do it? Because I enjoy it. That's, like, what I enjoy doing. It's pretty sad. But, yeah, I, honestly, it's so hard to give advice because like I said I was in a like I was in a long-term um well we were actually married and it was it wasn't a great situation I won't talk about that because it's not very fair on the other person um but I was keen not to get into another relationship after that um so when I was speaking to people like trying to hook up I was literally thinking I can be detached now like I was never good at being a de like detached and and not getting to know someone and like that sort of um one night stand or hook up vibe it was never for me um mm -hmm. but I thought you know what I don't have to be emotionally invested in anyone because I'm like pretty cool with my situation living with my PAs um I'm independent so I really wasn't looking for anything at all um so I you know it's the cliche advice of it comes when you're not looking but that's so hard for anybody to act on because my relationship now okay I'd say this if I had to give advice um my relationship because I wasn't looking for anything I was so open and honest and I was so to the point that I was kind of rude and kind of blunt um but Josh knew exactly where he stood from the get-go like he knew what I wanted what I didn't want you know our boundaries in terms of which nights we'd spend together um you know everything and anything for how no matter how little or small uh, little or big like things like traits that I don't like in terms of this sounds pretty controlling but it's not it's just things that I didn't want to put up with after you know previous relationships um you know I don't want my house to feel like an angry place or um like a place where we can't just well I know it's not all sunshine and roses all the time but just you know those kind of 
walking on eggshell situations, things like that. I was just very blunt with what I wanted. And, you know, it's worked out really well. Um, so I'd recommend that anyone, like when they're dating and trying to meet people, just put your true authentic self out there, whether it's like what you're looking for or, you know, your interests or the way you like to live your life, whatever it is, just just try and try and be you. 100%. And you know what? I would also say, like, I've said this to people in the past as well, is actually be confident in your disability as well. Yeah. Uh, because I think, like, again, we, what we're saying about communication, it's very important. And don't try and hide aspects or elements that affect you because you know what if it's the right person for you like they will still love you and accept it and and fucking deal with it basically well, exactly <laughs> like I've told you all the situations that, that have happened to us recently but even like less recently than that my partner has to help me on and off the toilet do you know what I mean that's that's how it is and so he doesn't give a damn about that that's like our life and if we want to be together, then he'll come in and help me up and come in and sit me down. That's just the way it is. Like, that's how it works. And some people think, oh, my God, I could never do that. But, you know, there's a ton of non-disabled couples that I speak to that go and pee when each other's in the bath or or whatever. Do you know that's what I mean? One's brushing their teeth, one's on the toilet. Exactly. And that's the level of comfortability that you should sort of seek in a relationship anyway, like disabled or not. 100%. Mm-hmm. But no, so Kelly, we are coming to the end, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, but my last question to you, and really, Kelly, there should only be one answer to this. Okay. okay. Think about it. It's very, it's hard hitting. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so apart from Pleasure Rebels, what is your favourite podcast? <laughs> Joy's World, of course, of course. <laughs> Now, oh. Kelly, I don't know if you know this. You probably don't. I'm just moving my cup out of the way. Um, but everyone that comes on my podcast, I like to get them a little gift to say thank you. No, I did not know this. Something I do, Kelly. Right. So I've got you three little things. So the first thing, let me just make sure it's the right way round because I'm going to have a blind moment. I mean, it might be it might be the wrong way round on the camera, but I've got you a little key ring that says oh. Kelly. And it's got a tassel as well. It's quite cute, all right? Um, also, are you a, a fan of wine? Of course. Of yes. Course. This, is, this is why we're friends. It's um, necessary. I've got you a wine glass that says oh, Kelly. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> And the last thing I got you, which I did promise you that I was going to get you when we did the BBC Ouch program, is a little sex box. Oh, yeah. A little sex toy that can be right, right next to your bed. Do you know what I mean? That's so amazing. Oh, my God. Thank you. So I'll ship you some toys to put in your box. And you can, uh, you can ship me a box. That's amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome, my love. Yeah, my my sex toy box needs yeah needs updating definitely. I need it. Yeah, it needs updating. Oh, we're gonna get some products over to you. Don't you worry. Send me your address. We'll sort it out. Okay, let's do that. I'm excited. I can't wait because I feel like I love the magic wand, but I feel like I do need to like explore with other toys. I feel like I'm yeah. a little bit too loyal to that. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to get your review anyway. So I'm looking forward Kelly, to it. Tell everyone where they can find you. If they have any questions or they just want to listen to Pleasure Rebels, tell, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, sure. So my 
if I'm on social media, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, my Twitter and Instagram is at Miss, so M-S-Kel, K-E-L-G-E-E, so Miss Kel G. And then um, obviously uh, you can find me at hotoctopus.com and on their, their socials, which is just at Hot Octopus. Um, and then Pleasure Rebels, we just run through the Hot Octopus account, but you can get Pleasure Rebels on any like good podcast place. Uh, so iTunes, Spotify, wherever. And it's just mm-hmm. search Pleasure Rebels. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. Guys, remember to follow your dreams and follow me on Instagram at Joy's World the Podcast. Follow me on TikTok at Joy's World the Podcast, Twitter at JoyXOXO. Email me if you're a hot guy or a hot girl, joyspodcast at hotmail.com. Remember to stay happy and live your best life always. Mwah.